Amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody today. Isn't it good to see folks? Amen. And glad for everyone out there online. If you haven't got a bulletin, we've got a bulletin for you right now. It's a great colorful bulletin. Thank you, Dane. Good bulletin. If you haven't got a bulletin, raise your hand. Raise your hand up high. Anybody like that need a bulletin? You online, if you'd like yours, scroll down and tap the right uh, button and you will get your digital copy of today's bulletin. We've got a lot of great things inside that you want to uh, be up to speed on. Now, God's been doing some great things. We just want to praise Him, give Him credit where credit is due. I believe that revival is individual. I believe it starts in the heart. We want to yield to Him. Let that fire get lit. Let it spread to everybody. Amen. And uh, a week ago Saturday, great extravaganza. Now 11 weeks out, another one coming on October 21st. Mark it down. Don't miss it. And everybody's going to have a part in it. We had teachers and workers and volunteers and a great, great extravaganza. We have a, a wide uh, printout, a spreadsheet of the young people who came. And we had a number of visitors and, and a number whose parents are not regular attenders. And those will be assigned out to people to follow up visits. And we want multiple follow up visits, not the same time, same place, but uh, multiple visits. We had some follow-up done yesterday. We're going to continue to do that for the next 11 weeks until October 21st. The next extravaganza, the fall extravaganza, extravaganza number two, the second one that we are having in the history, uh, we are, we're going to have on October 21st. So what day are we having that? October 21st. And what day of the week is that? That's a Saturday. What time in the morning? 10 o'clock. 9 o'clock for registration, 10 o'clock for activity, games, competition, food, fellowship, fun. They're going to have a great time. Can't, can't wait for that to happen. It's going to happen periodically. So mark it down. Plan to be a part of that. Now what we're working on right now, yesterday, visitation. Praise God for visitation. Three souls saved at least. Amen. So praise God for that. Follow-ups and cold calls being made and door hangers being placed and uh, tracks being given out. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we completed Fill America and now we're into this mode. And we're getting ready for what's coming up. What's coming up next is Prince William County Fair Booth Soul Winning. And we're going to have three booths side by side. We're going to win souls to Christ. We're going to get information. We're going to do, we're updating what we're doing. So let me tell you, you can get from Tyler the links for the Soul Winning Clinic in 2018 and the link for last year's uh, Fair Booth Training. You get those two, you view those. Now, you need to come. If you didn't come yesterday, you need to come next Saturday. This coming Saturday, the, the, uh, uh, the 28th, I believe it is. Is that right? 28th, 29th. What is it? 28th, 29th. 29th. I got my dates right. The 29th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon after visitation. Come, come on back and for about an hour. And Tyler's going to get you all prepped and all ready and uh, there's some new features you have to know about. So we need to, to get that. Now, if you can't, we need to tutor you. But we need to get people signed up, fill all those slots. Nine days at the fair, August 11th through the 19th. It is one of the high points on our calendar. How many of you can tell I'm excited? If you can't tell I'm excited, your five senses are not functioning. All right? You should be able to tell that I'm excited. And we are all excited about what God is going to do out at the fair. Amen. Now mark it down. In September, there's going to be another Phil America. And uh, in, um, 
in September, we'll also have a run-up, a big visitation that will be a run-up to what we're talking about in October, things that are coming. And we will have uh, some activity going on with that. It won't be the extravaganza, but it will be visitation followed by a meal on site and fellowship, so you get to know people. How many of you need to, I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but you need, need some fellowship, all right? We've got plenty of food, but we need fellowship. We need to get to know one another and encourage one another and edify and build up one another. Praise God, that's going to happen in September on the 16th. Other exciting things going on in September, we're going to have our first session of the 1800 series. We're now in the book of Exodus and Bible Institute, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Saturday the 9th. Don't miss that. I believe that's what it is. It's the 9th or the 8th. But one of those days, this first Saturday, I, I believe it's the 9th. That's it. All right. Don't miss that. So great things going on. Then in October, missions emphasis. Yes. And 60th anniversary. We want to fill this place. Everybody fill a bench. Fill a row. Everybody fill it up. Start working on it. Tell people it's October 29th. You need to be uh, in attendance. You need to bring people to come with you. Well, I am glad that we survived the week. Last Sunday, I preached on God finishes what He starts. And that has to do primarily with us. Now, put this down. What He has done for us. It's accomplished at Calvary, the empty tomb. So what He does for us, what He is doing in us, that's continuous, and through us. He's forming, reforming us. He is, uh, he is transitioning us. He is changing us from, uh, from glory to glory. He's changing you and me. And He's using us. What is so amazing is that God would want to. God can do anything, but I'm telling you, for some people, it is a stretch in their mind to think that when they got saved, there was something more than just not going to hell anymore. Now they're going to heaven, and that's it. No, that's not all she wrote. That's not everything. Do you know what it is? When you got saved and I got saved, that was just the beginning. That's not the end. When you call upon the name of the Lord and you receive Christ, yes, you're going to heaven, but that's not the end. That's the beginning. That's the beginning. That's when we tap into new life. And when we tap into new life, we look at things different. We deal with things differently. Everything is brand new. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You say, wait a minute. I'm going to heaven, but it seems like I got the same old problems. I got the same old challenges and nothing gets fixed and nothing is right. Something's wrong. Something's wrong because the continuous working in you of the Lord is supposed to be going on even now since you received Jesus Christ as your Savior. So you better check up. You better find out. Did you really get saved? If you did, are you truly yielded? Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Do you want Him to have His way with you? Are you surrendered to Him? Or are you still a willful, carnal, cold not spiritual Christian. If that is the case, you're in the right place. This is where God wants to do something. And we could sing as we opened up today, like a babe when it cries for its mother, like a child I was helpless alone. Then I met the master. Now I am one of his own. All things were changed when he found me. A new day broke through all around me. For I met the master. Now I 
belong to him. On the front of your bulletin is a painting of what one individual believes it may have looked like when Jacob wrestled all night with his heavenly wrestling opponent. And if you've ever wrestled with God, I don't know if it looked like that, but that's, that's the idea. I guess that's kind of a, a classic view. The scripture that's there is, and he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Bless me. That's Genesis 32, 26. Wrestling with God. And the big word is bless me. We're going to see what happens with that in a minute. But what's the most famous scripture that you can think of? There are several in the New and Old Testament. The New Testament, blessed, blessed, the Beatitudes. In the Old Testament, Psalm 1, where it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. If you read the first three verses, the third one says, And he shall be, that blessed person, like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, draw a line right there. That's what you and I want to be. But that only happens when God does his work for us, in us, and through us. You and I are not going to be blessed unless that's the case. Now, the last three verses is a contrast with people who haven't got that. They don't have access to blessings. And the reason they don't have access to blessings is either they're not saved and they're wicked and they're on their way to a devil's hell, or they're living like they're lost. They're not living in victory. They're not living the victorious Christian life. I'm not going to ask for hands raised. But if I ask you today, are you living the victorious Christian life? Are you on the victory side? I, I would say a majority of believers today couldn't honestly say yes. They'd say, you know, I'm just getting by. Just such a challenge. I feel worn out all the time. I feel like, I, like spiritually drained, like someone pulled the plug. Well, we've got the recipe between the covers of the Word of God. We need to get it from between the covers into us. And we need to live it out, walk it out. Wrestling with God. Wrestling. How many, how many folks wrestled uh, as a sport in school? Raise your hands. I know we have had some over the years. Yes. Okay. What weight class? Okay. Now, they've changed them since 100 years ago when I wrestled. Uh, they, they've... They've added, I think, three pounds. What used to be 103 is 106. I wasn't 103, but 103 is 106. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what I thought. It's gone up, yeah. And heavyweight, they limited because these guys got so big. I think they limited to, what, 275 or something like that for the heavyweight. Can't be any heavier than that. Okay, something like that. Yeah, all right. So we're having this conversation. Nobody else is paying any attention, but you and I are very interested in this. All right, that's good. Okay. Now, what you see on television is not wrestling. It's wrestling. There's no W in it. It's R-A-S-S-L-I-N-G or something like that. Most people who watch it can't spell it anyway, but that's all right. My brother and I, I've told you about my childhood, and sometimes my trips down memory lane are not so painful. When I was a little guy, about Sammy's age, you know, 6th, 7th grade, somewhere in there, uh, my brother was going to Bible college. He was going to Pillsbury Bible College in Owatonna, Minnesota. 
which was an hour away from the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul. And I don't know, but most everybody, all those farmers and agricultural people, and everybody, Saturday night, they watched wrestling on TV. And they'd tune it up, and they'd tune it in. And you, every, listen, every major city in the United States, every state, if not every city that has a TV station, they have their own world champion. Did you know that? They do. They do. They got their wrestling champion of the world. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, those guys also went across into Wisconsin. I heard later on when I, when I moved over there. But they had their heroes. And the heroes was a homegrown guy that had gone to University of Minnesota. His name was Vern Gagne. He's now gone on. But uh, he was, he was the, the hero type. He was the guy that was built and he'd come out, you know, and he would, he would be the good guy. He's supposed to win. And the bad guys were guys like the Crusher, the Bruiser. All right, you may have heard of them, the Crusher and the Bruiser. And then there was a guy who was a perpetual bad guy, and he always lost, and his name was Legs Kaninsky because he put him in leg scissors, all right? My wife is laughing at me, but... Uh, you're allowed to laugh at this. You're allowed to giggle at this because it is all silly. Now, those guys really do bleed. They really do cut themselves. It's not phony blood. Most of the time, it's real blood. Most of the time, they, they got to get stitches afterwards. They get broken arms. They really do get hurt. They get their teeth knocked out. I mean, they, they are really rough people. They break things over each other. It's criminal, but it's part of the show, and that's the key. It is a show. Once upon a time, all these guys were in shape, but it's a show. My brother was in Bible college. He came home. I remember it was winter because there was snow and ice. Of course, it could have been, could have been any of nine months of the year because there, we could get snow and ice up there at other times too. But it was winter. I think it was winter break, and he said to me, Brad, hey, little bro, uh, let's, let's go over to the Minneapolis Auditorium, whatever it was called. And so I got in his car, and we drove over. Now... We were, you talk about homespun. We were, I mean, my first trip, my first time ever to see the real thing that wasn't real. And uh, we took our own popcorn with us. In those days, they would let you through for a buck. You could sit way up in the third balcony for a buck. What you do is you go up there and you wait till the preliminary is over and then you move down wherever the seats are open. And we eventually got down near ringside. So we saw it up close and it was real blood. We, we got down there, we, we saw it happening. But we had our own huge bag of popcorn, which we had popped at home, because we didn't want to pay. That's how, you, that's how you lose your money when you go to events. You buy the popcorn, the sodas, and so forth. That's where all the money goes. So anyway, we, we paid our buck to get in, sat up there, third, third floor, came down, moved down, got close. All right, we have our popcorn, we're eating. And out comes the bruiser, out comes the crusher, out comes Legs Kaninsky, and they're doing their wrestling and all that stuff. And it's just one big production. They know ahead of time who's going to win in the end, who's going to faint, and who's going to be you know, pinned and so forth. And it's a, it's a very bad imitation of a real sport. It's entertainment. Wrestling is in the Bible, but it's real wrestling. It's competition. It is a more sophisticated kind of skilled uh, athletic endeavor. Uh, just a footnote to that, we were one time at a smorgasbord. The famous chain of smorgasbords in the Midwest was the Sweden House. Anybody ever been to one of those? It's, it's like Sweden, but Sweden, the Sweden House. And boy, they could put out the spread. 
And so we're loading up our trays and our plates with food for the flat. As I think about it back in those about five bucks, you could eat all you could eat. And I looked across the way and I saw this big guy. And Den goes like this. My brother, he goes like this. He says, his legs Kaninsky. And we watched what he loaded his plate with. Two huge plates of nothing but vegetables. I was really disappointed. <laughs> but he sat over there. We finally uh, walked over there and I said, Mr. Legs, uh, Mr. Kaninsky, uh, uh, could we get your autograph? And so uh, I think we got Legs Kaninsky's autograph. I think he could spell his name, yes. So the reason I'm saying that is many people have the wrong idea about what wrestling really is. And some of you will persist when I'm through. Some of you are going to write me letters and send me texts. That's real. It's all real wrestling. What, took, what happened and what took place in Genesis chapter 32 was the real deal. We've got, uh, we've got real wrestling going on because Jacob, Jacob has spent his life. He's a twin, not identical, but he is a twin, born the same day as his brother, his older brother Esau, and he has spent a lifetime as a scam artist. He is Jacob the supplanter, the scam artist, the, the cheater all of his life. He was enabled by his mother. He was his mother's favorite. His dad, uh, Isaac, saw Esau as his favorite. And so there was some conflict. Esau got so mad at Jacob. Jacob ran for his life. He was gone for a couple of decades, had a family in the meantime, had a whole bunch of interesting experiences with Laban, his father-in-law, got back some of that uh, deception, some of that trickery, be not deceived, God is not mocked, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. He got some of it back, absolutely did. And uh, now he's headed back to his homeland. He knows he's going to face his brother after these decades. And he sends his family on across the river, the Jabbok. And he sees and encounters and engages a figure and wrestles all night with who ultimately we believe is a theophany, an appearance of God himself. And as they are wrestling, using all kinds of different holds, Jacob was very tenacious. You and I can show ourselves pretty impressive in the flesh, depending upon what it is. The mind of the flesh, the, the physical flesh, the, the attachments, the connections, the money, the people, uh, the position that we have in the flesh, we can look pretty impressive. But when it's all said and done, when we've wrestled with God, when we've struggled with God, and whatever His perfect divine plan is for us, we are going to be forever changed. And that's what our message is about today. Wrestling with God. Wrestling with with God. We're here today in church for a variety of reasons. I don't know why you're here. I came to deliver God's message and to be with God's people and to receive something from the Lord. Every time I preach, I pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit and I pray that I'll be able 
to be like Ruth the Moabitess who gleaned in the corner of the field. I don't know who God in particular has this message intended for today. But I know somewhere in the, in the spiritual corner of this field, there are going to be some sheaves for me to take away. If you've come today and you say, I've heard this already, I've heard this preaching, I already know all this stuff the preacher's going to say, I already know it. You're the one who needs to get in the corner, <laughs> not for disciplinary purposes, but to get some of those sheaves in the corner. God's got something for you today. You're not going to go away empty-handed unless you have determined in your own pride and self, worship of self, you just don't need it and you can't be bothered. And there are people like that. I've had folks that have come to hear me preach over the past decades. And they came with one intention and left with something else that God gave them. I am praying that that is the case. I'm praying that as I am full and filled with the Spirit, that you likewise will be touched and moved by the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me now. Lord, I pray that this message might speak to hearts. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. There are folks who claim to be saved, but on the basis of the Word of God, as we have read it today and as we understand it, as God gives us understanding, they are living spiritually bankrupt lives. There is no need for you or anyone else to live below the poverty line spiritually because God has a blessing for you. God has good things for you. Now, I am not going to blindly say, name it and claim it, because that's what the world does. What they do is they will start with something and end with something and they'll skip all the in-between. You can't skip the in-between. The in-between is vital. The in-between is my being honest with myself. The in-between is my seeing myself in the mirror of God's Word in the deficient areas that I find in my own life. Uh, my my in-between includes all of that. It includes my coming to terms with my responsibilities and not being uh, an eternal victim. It comes, it, it comes to the point where I have to accept responsibility as an individual, as a spouse, as a father, grandfather, as a, as a preacher. Whatever it is that you are, fill in the blank. That's essential. Before we ever get to the last chapter, the middle section of the book of your life means there is an awakening day. There is a moment when you look at it through the prism of God's Word. You see it as it is. You see yourself, you see your circumstance, you see your relationships, you see your job, you see your education, your life, you see your finances, all through the prism of God's Word. Are you doing that? Once you get to that point, we have to be completely honest and not brush it off. We cannot, we cannot say, well, I'll procrastinate. I'll put that off. I'll hesitate. I've got plenty of time. Just like the rich man, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. We must live as if this is our last moment, our last day, our last week or month. But we must also invest so that if God extends our life, we have the connections and resources to go on living for Jesus Christ. 
You can't do like uh, the followers of, of William Miller, uh, who was one of the founders of Seventh-day Adventism. And in 1843, uh, they said that Jesus is coming back on such and such a date. And he, you know, he had a, a formula that was all goofy and wrong. And so they all sold their farms, their houses, their business, their factories. They all got white sheets. They wrapped themselves up in white sheets, went on the hillside and waited for Jesus to come, and he didn't. And that was called the Great Disappointment. And then to cover themselves, the Seventh-day Adventists tried it again, and it didn't happen. And so they came up with a new doctrine. They said, oh, Jesus did come back, but he didn't come back to earth. He came back to the heavenly temple to cleanse it. And now everything from this point on counts. All the rest of it is cleansed. This all counts. And you're, you're like on probation. Everybody's on probation. And that's what cults do. They, they create these excuses, these false reasons. You can't put off. You can't procrastinate. Now is the accepted time. Now's the time to get saved. Now's the time to get right. But knowing that Jesus is coming back, knowing that our life is but a vapor, whew, here and then gone, we need to come to terms with the in-between stuff. We know what the beginning is. We know what the ending's supposed to be. But the in-between is, I have to accept responsibility for who I am and what I've got to do. What I've got to assume responsibility for. Now, this business of being blessed, people who are spiritually bankrupt, people who are spiritually bankrupt are missing the fact that God has written a check, signed it, and left it for us to claim in the pages of the Word of God. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless me. God wants us to have the fullness of His perfect will in our life. I'm amazed at how much God wants us to be and become and all that He wants to do through us, and yet how little we permit Him. Most Christians have never tasted of the abundant life. You've got physical life, you've got spiritual life because you prayed and asked Jesus in your heart, but you don't Experience the abundant life because you're doing what you're doing in the energy and the witness of your flesh. I'm going to make it happen. No, you're not. No, you're not. In that we resemble the children of Israel who learned and should have learned and should have learned and should have learned. Jacob should have learned. If you go to the 11th chapter of Hebrews, you're going to find he's included in the heroes of the faith. By faith, Jacob. But that was a process. Boy, he found out. Push came to shove, crunch time. He's wrestling with the Lord. <clears throat> and there's only one thing he can do. There was a conflict many years ago between the French and the English on the high seas. And a British flagship, manned by none other than Admiral Nelson, 
had taken a French ship and the French naval officer whose ship had been captured was on board awaiting the presence of Admiral Nelson. Admiral Nelson started walking toward him and the naval officer from France put his hand out to shake hands with Admiral Nelson. And here's what Admiral Nelson of the British command said. First, sir, put up your sword. Surrender your sword. Then we'll shake hands. He pulled his sword, presented it. Admiral Nelson took it. And then he extended a warm handshake and accepted that naval officer. Why would the Lord do any less? The sword, I'm talking not of the spirit, but of the flesh that you have, that you wield. You know what, what it is and when it is. The things that you do and say and how you do them and, and all of the way that you conduct, comport your life to get things done, that's the sword of the flesh, not the sword of the spirit. And much higher than Admiral Nelson is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He says, first, give me your sword. Surrender your sword. Give it to me. And then there's that warm embrace. That's it. That's it. There are too many people who have yet to put down that sword. They're too content to say, oh, Jesus loves me, I love him, so everything's fine. It's not fine till you surrender that sword. That's why a professing Christian can be on his or her way to heaven and not have their life together and be so messed up and be doing things wrong, 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 wrong. Give up your sword. Give up your sword. You want to be on handshaking terms with Jesus Christ? Give up your sword. Say, Lord, I surrender all. I give it up. What sword are you talking about, preacher? You know which one I'm talking about. Your personal ambition. Your personal achievements. Your self-aggrandizement. That's when you start believing your own resume. You know what I'm talking about. Pride. That stumbling pride keeps believers from saying, well, I, I wouldn't want to get out there and go to the fair. I might be embarrassed. I wouldn't want to go out to the fair because I just don't have time. My, I've, got, I've got 25 hours to schedule in a 24-hour period, and I just don't have time. You know what? You need to bring your sword. Give it to Jesus. You want him to bless you? Give up your sword. Give it to Jesus. That's it. It's a very, very simple statement that comes next. I want you to see what we're going to look at. In Genesis 32, 29, Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore, why is it that thou dost ask after my name? Well, we know who he is. The next five words 
are the most important words in this text. And he blessed him there. At that point, what had happened in that wrestling match before it was done? Lord reached down, pulled on Jacob's hip, and pulled it out of joint. And for the rest of Jacob's days, walked like this with a leg out of joint as a reminder that he had wrestled with God and God blessed him there. And how did God bless him there? Oh, you say, he made him lame. No, he gave him a name. He gave him a name. The lameness was to remind him of whose he was. And whatever it is that you go through, whatever marks are left on you, it's to remind you and remind me of whose we are. Jacob's new name was Israel, prince of or prince with God. That's it. He's gone from being the con artist, the cheat, the scam artist to being the prince with God, the father of those sons who became in turn the fathers, the namesakes of the tribes of Israel. Think about it. That's pretty important stuff. That's amazing. That is amazing. Do you remember when Martha was all upset with Mary in the New Testament? You know, they're having, they're having a, a social gathering. And Jesus is there. When something's going on, no matter what's going on, Jesus needs to be in our center focus. There's Mary, sister of Martha, sister of Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, at the feet of Jesus. And in comes Martha and says, Lord, Lord, there she is. She's not doing any work. Make her do some work. How many times have you done that? Lord, make that person do. Make that person do. You know what? It's none of our business how the Lord is dealing in the life of the other Marys in this world. We, as Martha, need to get our act together. And she, listen, she spent all of her energy and time making it sparkle, making it on time, doing, 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 and maybe fill in the blank. <coughs> I don't know in what area. Maybe your Service for the Lord is all doing, 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 doing. And I would not be the one to initiate this because we don't do anything compared to the last, you know, five or six generations of Christians. I mean, we are really kicked back, put our feet up lazy compared to my parents, my grandparents, and those that came before us. They really knew how to serve the Lord, and they did it with gladness. And somehow or other, they figured out how to have good families and, and good lives and quality, and I don't know how it was, but they've got it down better than we have. Martha was all tied up in the doing and the doing and the doing and the doing while Mary was worshiping and learning at the feet of Jesus and soaking it all in. Martha, Martha missed the opportunity. 
Now, back in the Old Testament, Jacob didn't miss his opportunity. He said, I'm going to struggle. I'm going to get up close and personal. And I know that you have a hard time applying this. But that's the way he did it. Near to thee, Lord, near to thee. Nearer my God to thee. Just a closer walk with thee. All right, let's apply it that way. Let's think in terms of those familiar songs and their lyrics. We need to be close with the Lord. And when Jacob said, bless me now, and he got blessed, it's because he prevailed. There he is. He's participating. He is prevailing, and he gets blessed. And he gets, he gets a lame leg, but he gets a new name, a new identification. That's it. That's where we are. Martha was troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, Jesus said. Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What was that? She got up close to Jesus. She was learning at Jesus' feet. When was the last time you were at Jesus' feet? When was the last time you soaked in all the good things that God wanted you to have and you took it in and that's all that mattered? It wasn't doing, 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 but it was that closeness to the Lord, that affinity to Him. Jacob did not get his blessing because he was worthy. He had, he had a rap sheet that was as long as your arm. He was a crook up to that point. He had done so many deceptive things. He didn't get it because he was worthy. He didn't have to work to get it. He didn't get it because he was ethical. He was unworthy, unethical. He was, he was an untrue, untested individual. And that's the way we come, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. We come to God the first time to be saved by receiving Jesus Christ. The Christian life is many comings to God. We keep coming, we keep coming. We keep coming because we want to be close to the Lord Jesus. We keep coming because we want more, because we want Him to truly be Lord over every area of our life. He is Lord, but we want Him to take control of every aspect of our life. We want to yield to Him. This is the individual upon whom God will bestow a blessing. It's not based on worthiness or works or ethics or, or who we are, or who we've been, or where we've been. It is based upon full surrender. Lord, here's my sword. I surrender all. That's it. What's your decision today? What's your decision? This is the time. Jacob makes the life-changing decision. He represents the cold, carnal, backslidden believer who finally gets it squared away. He ceases to be at war. He surrenders his sword. As a way of life, he's yielded it. Still imperfect. He's still going to make some mistakes. So are you. So are all of us. When he stopped wrestling, he started trusting, and that's when he got blessed. Got his hip out of joint, got a limp for the rest of his life. He's the man with the limp. Spiritually speaking, have you got a limp? Have you wrestled with God? Have you stopped? 
Have you trusted? Have you turned in your sword? Have you allowed him to have his way in your life? Is the struggle truly over or is the war still going on? The cost of your blessing and the cost of my blessing is that I am going to be willing to be a marked individual for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to have that spiritual limp. I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. That's why I'll stand up and say, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You that are going into the, the snake pit, the lion's den, so to speak, at work and at school, at the university, wherever you're going, you're going to be standing up with people who don't believe in the God of the Bible. They don't believe in the old paths and the old time ways. And you're going to have to stand up and be accounted and say, look, I can work just as hard as you can. I'll put down the answers. I'll get the age, but I'm going to take my stand for Jesus Christ. No, I don't believe that I came from an amoeba. I don't believe that we evolved. That's foolishness. That's foolishness. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. I'm going to take my stand. They may stand up and criticize everything everything that's good and godly about our way of life and say we need to turn it upside down on its head and we need to do this. We need to take everything away from everybody and put it all in one pile and then give everybody equal amount whether they have worked. As the Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Whether they've, they've done anything to deserve it or not and you stand up and you say because the Bible says that the workman is worthy of his hire. I'm going to stand for what the Bible says. They may not like you. They may not love you. They may not embrace you. That's all right. There's only one embrace I want. Lord, here's my sword. Amen. There's only one I want to please. Only one I want to say well done. Only one I want to say good job. Good job. When you uh, show up at work on Monday, hope you show up with a spiritual limp. Because you stopped wrestling with God and you started trusting Him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you today would say, Preacher, something in that message spoke to my heart? Slip your hand up. Spoke to my heart. Amen. What are you going to do about it? In just a moment, we'll have an invitation. I want folks to come. And if you're coming, you might be coming to say, I'm. I'm not wrestling with God. I'm now, I'm turning in my, the sword of my flesh, my own achievements, my own advancement, my own desires, my own assessment of myself. I'm turning it all in. Lord, you've got my life. You've got my past, present, and future. It's all in your hands. You've got it. Maybe you're coming for some other reason. You've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray right now from your heart? Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now, I want the Lord Jesus to come in my heart, take away my sins, take me to heaven when I die.
Free at 